Thanks, everybody. Good to see you all. How are you all this afternoon? Good. Good, thank you. Doing good. God is good. What some great testimonies. I'm looking forward to hearing about all the testimonies from youth, um, youth camp next week. It's awesome. So this morning, <clears throat> now this afternoon, I want to just talk a little bit about uh, knowing your calling. And this may be part one. We'll see how we go. Um, but I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verses 1 through to 16, and um, I'm going to pull out a few things that I feel like Lord's laid on um, my heart. The title of, you know, maybe part one of Knowing Your Calling. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Okay, so we're going to read it in verse, start in verse 1, so uh, of chapter 4. So just a bit of background quickly. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote half of, well, a lot of the New Testament. He is uh, writing this church to the church at Ephesus, which is, um, in, was in Asia Minor at the time, now in <clears throat> modern-day Turkey. And uh, he started this church. It was probably the first, one of the first mega churches in the world. Uh, God did an amazing miracle, uh, amazing revival, broke out there. And, um, you know, a lot of witchcraft was taken out and other things. God did some amazing things. So Paul's writing to this church that he planted. And um, this is sort of halfway through the letter. And Paul, as you can will see from verse 1, is that Paul's writing from prison. And he's writing to, um, to this church that he, he's established. So he says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, can you hear Paul's call? Urge you. What's he urging? To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Each of us have a calling. We have been called by God. Are we going to walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling? That's what Paul's interested in at this point. Walk in, uh, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I could probably just stop there and just let that speak to us. In our current place in society where we've got a num a, quite a bit of division, division about COVID, division about masks, division about politics, division about race, division about a whole load of different things. We have that in our in a lot of peace and a lack of peace, I should say, and even a spirit of division that's been released against us. And what we're seeing in the church and in the world is actually a lack of unity and a, and a, and a division. But what God's saying here is that actually, what Paul's saying, he's saying that actually what God's looking for is that we would bear with one another in love. We would be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I love that. Because one of the things I dearly love about the kingdom of God is that it is made up of people that don't look and think like me. Because that would be really dull, right? The kingdom of God, we see this great vision and glimpse into the kingdom in Revelation chapter five, where there's a song that's being sung by heaven, by the, by the elders, and they're singing this song. You're worthy, O Lord, because you've redeemed people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you've made them to be priests and kings before our God. 
You know that we have in our, in our society and in our world a great deal of variety of colours, of ethnicities, of cultures, of the way that people think, of the way that people look, the economic backgrounds that they come from, their, their status in society. There's a whole raft of range of different people. But the glory of the kingdom of God is this, that Jesus has paid for all of us to be part of the family of God. And that we are therefore incredibly diverse, but we are to be united by the precious blood of Jesus that's given, that's made effective towards us by the Holy Spirit in operation in our lives to take out all of our stinking thinking and to bring us into a place of unity and joy together. And I love that about the kingdom of God, that we're not white or black or brown or whatever ethnicity. We're not rich or poor. We're just the whole gamut of society bonded together in unity in by, by the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul's saying is here is, look, make every effort to, to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Unity doesn't come outside of the Holy Spirit because there's too much that's going to drive a wedge, you know, too much diversity to drive a wedge, but the reality is that the Spirit brings us into that bond of peace. So Paul goes on to say this, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Can you catch the one? There's one, there's one Spirit. There's one body. We together as a people, we are made up of one body, but not just us here in this place, but in every church that gathers together, whenever day of the week they gather, wherever they gather in, in the Triangle region to honour the name of Jesus, wherever they gather, not just in the Triangle region, but across this nation and across the nations of the world, there is one body, despite what we put upon the labels on the front of our churches. There's one body of Jesus Christ. And we're called to unity together. And that unity comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Where does that unity come from? What's the source of that? Well, the source of that unity is the reality of this, that we have one Father together, all of us, and one Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has brought us together for all of eternity. So start, you know, when we look at a passage like this and we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the purpose and calling later on, but we've gotta set a foundation first. That foundation is that God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus to the earth to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved, that he would take our place, that we ourselves could come into the family of God. The Bible said, in fact, just earlier in Ephesians in chapter three, Um, Paul says this, that all the families on earth derive their name from the Father. Because we were created, all of humanity was created by the Father, by Jesus, through the the Word, by the Spirit. We were created for love, in love, to to experience God's love together. We were created by God to be His earthly family. Not because he lacked anything, but because what he had in his love as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was so good that he wanted you and I to experience that and share that with him forever and all eternity. Now that's a good father. And so we have a father. Now we know that sin 
caused us to fall short and to come out of that relationship. But the Father's mission for all of us was to send Jesus to this earth so that He would die in our place, that we could, by the precious shed blood of Jesus, that we ourselves could step back into being the family of God, now having a new nature, being just like Jesus. Jesus' mission on the earth was to come and to reveal just how good the Father is for us just how kind He is, just how loving He is, just how gracious He is, just how much He absolutely doesn't just love us because He created us, but He likes us because we're His. And His love for us is so powerful and so glorious and so beautiful. And so we are one in Christ, now with the Father now with, the, with him in a relationship, union, forever fused together relationally with him for all of eternity because he loves you and I so much. And he's a good dad. And he's loving and he's kind. And so we have a common father. So the, as we gather here together, we actually have one Lord and one faith and one hope and one baptism and one body and one hope because we've all been united, ooh, one into one, with the Father through Jesus. With, with, actually, it would be with Jesus united to the Father. And so we're to maintain the unity of the Spirit and we're to maintain the bond of peace. And that, what that means is that we're family together, that Jesus is our big brother and he's not ashamed to call us his brother. I take great comfort in that because I do stupid things. And sometimes I feel a bit of embarrassment and awkwardness about the things that I've done. Sometimes I also feel a little bit of family shame when I see what some Christians have written on the internet. When they've written on Facebook about what, you know, something or they've, 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 they've said something on Instagram or, or they've, they've behaved in a certain way in my presence. And I, you know, do you ever feel that like family shame? Like, ooh, they're like, they're, they're, they're brothers and sisters, but I feel a little awkward about what they've just done. Is it just me? But the beautiful thing about it is Jesus says in, in Hebrews that he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. What a relief. No, it's not just the fingers that we can point at others, but that which is at ourselves. But he's called us to be one family together. And so our foundation, before we step into anything else about our calling, our primary calling, our primary foundation is that you and I have been created to be sons and daughters to our heavenly father and to be brothers and sisters to our glorious savior, Jesus. And so when we look at each other, and where you can turn to the person next to you and the reality is that you are one with them and they are one with you because God loves them the same as he loves you. And so there's no place for gossip, there's no place for slandering, there's no place for backbiting, there's no place for anger towards people, there's no place for spreading misinformation, there's no place for holding out judgments and bitterness, there's no place for that in the kingdom of God because we're all one family together and the father that, that loves you is the very same father that loves with the same intensity the person that you are currently, if you're gossiping or slandering against them. And so we're to live in this oneness and the foundation of that oneness is the fact that we all have one Father. And I love it in verse six, it says there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, God is your Father, God is over you, 
God is through you and God is in you. He's your Father that loves you. You might also wanna say to them, do you know that he, you are His happy thought? When He looks at you, He smiles. When He thinks about you, He gets all goosebumpy. if He can have goosebumps. I mean, that's an anthropomorphism right there. He loves us. He likes us. He wants us. He's called us His own. He's made us His treasure. You are His delight. You are the apple of His eye. He cherishes you despite all the things that you can run through in your own mind of why you disqualify yourself, if you're anything like me, as to why you don't, shouldn't get His love. He still loves you nonetheless. Because here's the secret of the gospel. It's not based on your ability. It's not based on what you've done. It's not based on who, how good you've been. It's based on the finished work of Jesus and the reality of his life and his perfect life now being credited to your account. And his purpose in coming was to make you holy and blameless and spotless in front of the Father so that you don't have to be ashamed or fearful about, about that. But the thing is, he loves you just as you are, but he loves you just too much just to let you stay where you are. He's always working to shift you into his image, to make you into his likeness. So that one day there will be a moment when you and I go to heaven and in, in an instant, that which has been a slow progress of being made like him in a moment will suddenly become exactly like him because we will see him as he is. Now that's good hope. That's beautiful hope. So we have to get the foundation right. You know, a few weeks ago, Ash and I and the kids, we were all in, um, in uh, North Captiva Island, which is on the Gulf Coast of Florida. It's an island that you have to get a ferry to and then you get a golf cart around. And we were just having a week's vacation there. Ash had got an Airbnb. Um, I was glad that I didn't choose it because I've got a bit of a history of choosing not such great places. It's a bit of a family joke for us, right? So you too, Kate, yeah. So, um, you know, we were, Ash and I were walking along the beach. You know, it's one of those barrier islands, so it's the first one that gets the hurricanes as it comes through. And right on the corner of this beach was this house that was literally like just about 10 foot away from the waves, and it was all bent out of shape. Like the foundation had sunk and the boards were in a different direction, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't choose the Airbnb because that's probably the one that I would have chosen. <laughs> but it was all wonky, right? The house that we were staying in was on stilts, you know, so it was up on one story. Uh, um, you, you know, you had to climb upstairs. And the first night we were sleeping there, it was like, it was moving. The house was moving. And we're like, what is going on? And then we realized that anytime anybody turned over in, the bedroom, in their bedroom, or um, they walked up and down the stairs or did anything, the whole house moved. Just a very slight swaying, you know. I can imagine it would be like one of those Tokyo houses that, you know, in the earthquakes, they kind of just move, you know. And I'm like, what on earth is going on with the foundation? Because if you don't get the foundation right of a house, everything that you build upon that foundation is wonky, right? It, it wobbles. It's not sturdy. It's not steady. And, and when, if you get the foundation right, everything else is built you know, as long as the builder's worth their salt, everything is good. If you don't get it right, everything is wobbly and out of shape. 
So here's the thing for us. We have to lay this foundation before we look at who God's called us to be. We have to lay this foundation that our primary calling, that the, the groundwork of our lives, that the, the, the soil that the Father's planted us into is the bedrock of the reality that He loves us. He's our Father and He's made a way for us in Christ Jesus to live with Him forever based not on our own ability, but based on His love and His perfection. So now that we've set that foundation, we, have to, we, can, we can move on to verse seven. But grace was given. Now, just let me pause there. Grace was given. Um, that word grace, if, if you remember other times that I've shared with you, that word grace actually means to lean towards, to be favorably disposed towards. So the Father's leaning towards us. His love is always leaning towards us to such an extent that in that place of love that um, all of heaven is praising His grace, His kindness towards us because what that basically means is heaven is going, hey, wait a minute, you did all of this with those guys? How on earth did you accomplish that? They looked like they were a bunch of muppets but you did it, woo! And all of heaven praising because of the grace of God. God's leaning in towards us. So grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Have I read all of this yet? No, good, okay, good. I just had, suddenly had a deja vu as if I was in first or second service. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men and women. That word means men and women. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He, also, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the th heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up, into, grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Woo. So we all have grace gifts. We all have things, gifts that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has given us, but also that Jesus has given us. And so in the Bible, we see there's two different sources of gifts, two, two different types of gifts. There's the first is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those gifts are, the, um, we can see those in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and some other places. Gifts like prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, hospitality, mercy, uh, generosity, uh, leadership, those kind of gifts. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what we're talking about here is the gifts of the ascended Jesus, the dimensions of Jesus that he himself you know, carried uh, as the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. Those are the gifts that Jesus has carried and he's given to each one of us uh, a part of himself. When we become one with Christ, we receive uh, the, the gift of Christ. 
And it's important that we understand first and foremost that gift has been given to each one of us. How many of you are in the category each one? Who's not in the category each one? Anybody? Anyone excluding themselves from each one? No, for grace, which is a gift, free gift, not because of the things that you've done or earned, but because of God's choice of you. Grace was given to each one of us, what, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ has given each one of us a measure of himself to manifest a part or a portion or a, uh, of himself, which when we all come together, we manifest the fullness of Christ. So grace was given to each one of us. We all have different graces from Jesus. Those gifts of the Spirit overlay those, but the grace that comes from Jesus is what we call the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And when we think about that, we often think about the superstar you know, apostle. You know, if we think, if I said apostle to you, you might think of, I don't know, Bill Johnson from Bethel Church. Or if I said to you, uh, evangelist, you might think Reinhard Bonnke from um, CFAN. You know, or if I talked prophet, you might think, oh, Cindy Jacobs or whoever else it might be, right? You think about like the top level people that are sort of out there in an international level of, uh, of gifting and calling and profile. You don't think of, you may not think of yourself as carrying something of the gift of Christ to carry the life of, 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 the, you know, of the fivefold ministry within us. And it's important right off the bat as we start to talk about this and it's, it's really important that we understand that we're not talking about job titles. We're not talking about something that you can put on your business card. You're not gonna come around with a business card that says, Murray Smith, super apostle prophet, Right? <laughs> You don't put in a moniker on the front that says the most excellent prophet you've ever experienced, right? No, it's not a job description. It's not a title. It's not something to brandish about. It's not like something that you got to stand out of the way. Here I come. I'm an apostle. Move, peasant, right? It's none of that. It's not even, well, I want to be an apostle because apostles seem like they're cooler than, uh, you know, the teachers. <laughs> Who wants to be a pastor? Puh. Right? It's not any of that. What it is, is it's a gift from Jesus for the building up of the church, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. And I was really helped by uh, our friend Stu Glasbrough in, in London, who leads Catch the Fire in London. And he, he talked about uh, that as being, rather than a, a, a gift, uh, not gift, uh, an office as a way of thinking or the way that we're wired. So we think you might think apostolically. You might think prophetically. You might think evangelistically. You might think pastorally. You might think as a teacher. That's what your concern is. That's the lens that you see things through. Again, not a title. Just a way that God's wired you with the gift of Christ on the inside of you to see things so that he can use you to fulfill his purpose in bringing the body together. And so we all have different gifts and we all have different elements of, this, of these gifts. And I, I've come to see it uh, as more like a, as like a pie chart than a bar graph with one thing in it. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, often when we think about 
about the, uh, the gifts, we think, well, I'm this and I can only be limited to one. So I have to be, if I'm a prophet, that's what I am, or I'm an apostle, or I'm a, I'm a pastor, or I'm a teacher. Again, please don't use that as a badge of honor or a title, right? But if you think about a pie chart, what I have experienced in my own life is that through different seasons of my life and, in different, and even in this moment, what I see is different dimensions of all the gifts of Christ to different intensities within me. And so, you know, I might be, you might, you might be like evangelists, 33%. There's no formula on this, but I'm just giving you an eye, you know. And you might be, you know, apostle, 22% and blah, blah. You know, in other words, there's a pie chart. You fulfill, you have all the gifts of Christ in you because Christ is in you. So there's no excuse for you not to be something because you're, all of that is within you. But there's a primary and maybe a secondary emphasis that, the God's, that God's put in you that's going to help you and move you and you're going to carry and that's your gift to, of Christ to the church. Does that make sense? So when we were, when we were uh, kids were younger, um, I think, was it chocolate or was it a brownie? It was chocolate. So, we, you know, our family, we love chocolate, particularly Australian chocolate and English chocolate. Uh, American chocolate, not so much, sorry. But anyway... <laughs> You know, we would have this chocolate bars and we, and we would break the chocolate up and then we would say, okay, kids, take your piece. And one particular day I remember classically, it was in our, you know, one of those things etched into our family. Um, one of our family members, who shall remain nameless, she, she looks, I mean, I can say she because we're all she except for me. Um, <laughs> she looks at it and goes, ooh, that piece is the biggest. She's there first. And she takes the biggest piece you know, because we've cut it up into a pie chart, but not quite, you know. She's taken the, busy, the biggest piece and she's about to eat it when Ash, mum goes, um, actually now turn to the left person to the left of you and give it to them. <laughs> and so she didn't get the biggest piece, she got the less bigger, you know, the smaller piece. So the next time she comes along, next time she comes along, she's like, oh, mum's gonna do this again. So she takes the smallest piece. And then mum's like, okay, you can eat that piece. Damn, man. <laughs> But we get, we get the picture, right? That you, you can carve something up, you can take a hole and you can break that into, into parts and they don't all have to be in equal parts. But the fact is, it's all the same thing. It's all chocolate, it's just in, equal, it's just in different parts. I, I, my personal conviction, uh, looking at my own experience and you know, looking at other people, is that God has put within each of us the gift of Christ. We can each manifest those gifts, but the reality is that there will be one or two that we are more focused on, we're more fluent in, we're more able to, to release um, around us. Um, brain just went completely blank. We need some chocolate. So you might be saying, okay, that sounds good, but you know, when I think of an apostle, I think of Bill Johnson or you know, all the others that I mentioned, like Prophet Cindy Jacobs. That's not me, and, 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 and that, I can say that to you, that, that's not me, and you probably all know that, right? You know, about me. So that, what's the difference? Well, I think the difference is the measure of Christ's gift, the leadership gift that goes with that, and the intensity of the calling. It doesn't mean to say that there's, they're any better than us. It just means that God's called them to an international level stage, whereas for some of us, we may carry that call and that gift, but, and the Lord's releasing that in a local or even a regional place, right? Rather than it all being all about the ultimate end goal. So each one of us carry a measure of Christ's gift, and I believe that each one of us can grow in that gift as the Lord, and his desire is that we grow in that gift as he moves us, as he moves us forward. 
But we have different platforms for that gift. So for me at this point, the Lord's given me this platform today, and it's the Lord that's given us you know, this platform for me to share this. This might not be your opportunity. You may not have the opportunity to stand on this platform, but you do have a platform that the Lord is calling you to use that gift in. And the primary calling for each one of us, the primary platform is a place of making disciples. That we are called to make disciples. Jesus was great commission that we would go to all the world and make disciples of all nations. That you and I, whether we, we may not feel like a Cindy Jacobs or we may not have that prophetic, you know, that evangelistic call of Reinhard Bonnke, but you and I, we're all called to express that where we are and to disciple those around us, Right? And so we won't, we're not going to have time to go into all the, the fivefold of what it means. That's probably going to be part two. But I want to move on into, um, well, let me back up before I move on. Here's the other thing about your platform. The platform is not just about what happens in these four walls of this church building or in any other church building or in any other gathering that, 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 that is, you know, of Christians together. Your you don't, when we think apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, don't just think it has to be in a church context. Actually, what God's done is doing in us and is wiring in each one of us isn't just for here, isn't just for people that we know in this church body. It's actually for your place of work. It's actually for the place where God has planted you to fulfill his calling and his destiny there. So you could be an accountant like me. We love accountants. Don't we? Yes, yes. They're such wonderful people. They're so full of joy and not boring whatsoever. So you can be an accountant, but you could actually carry the gift of Christ to be a pastor. And so you actually pastor your clients or you pastor the people that are around you. Maybe you're called to be a business owner and typically a business owner, you might be wired to think apostolically vision and focus. Maybe you're a, a, a teacher and while it's obvious that you have a teaching gift, you also actually carry a primary prophetic call and the prophetic unction of Christ on the inside of you is for, for the kingdom of God, to, for God to speak and to shift atmospheres so that in your classroom, you don't just access your teaching gift, you actually also access the prophetic gift of Christ on the inside of you. So it's not just for church, it's not just for this environment. Your platform God gives you is a place for whatever that platform is. Maybe you're a mum and you, you know, you're called to be an evangelist and you're, you know, you're, you're just reaching out to the neighbours and people that are around you and gathering them to come and know Jesus. It's not tied to a job description, it's a gift of Christ to who you are. Okay, so what's the purpose of the gift? Very quickly, we're running out of time on my... Okay, so verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's the equipping of the saints. What for? For the work of the ministry. Why? So that the body of Christ will be built up. Will be built up. What's the goal? That we would all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Let me quickly just touch on the word equipping. That word in the Greek means to bring into alignment. It means to fit something so that it works properly, so that it can fulfill its function and its purpose in next to someone else that's working properly. You could think about it as the, going to the chiropractor. I, I, I've had to go to the chiropractor on a number of occasions. I always feel 
I mean, I love chiropractors, so don't hear me say anything bad about them, but you do kind of feel a little bit robbed when you spend like 40 bucks and then you're in there for like two minutes. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? You know, it's to like wrap you up like a pretzel, fall upon you, do you, crack you, ah! And then you're, and it's like, okay, $40, please. Right? And then, and, you know, and, but what, what are they doing? They're taking what's out of alignment that's not functioning properly, that's causing you pain. Sometimes when I have back pain, like, like my whole muscles get twisted and I kind of like walking around like this. Right? So, but what they're doing is they're taking that that's out of alignment and bringing it back into alignment so that you can function properly. That's the nature of the fivefold gifts of Christ that he's given to each one of us is that we, he, he wants to bring alignment to us so that we can function properly and that we can, be full, we can fulfill all that he's called us to. And this is where it's important that we all understand that we're called to this. Because if you are discipling somebody, you're, you know, maybe you are um, you know, helping somebody, you've got a, a friendship with somebody and they're struggling with their finances, you can say to them, hey, can I help you with those finances to come into a way that you know, maybe you can manage your finances better? All of a sudden, what you've done is you've, you're helping them with an adjustment so that they can fulfill the call of God upon their lives and steward what God has given them. Maybe there's something else, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a sense of vision and you're not, you've got some people around you that you're not, they're not sure about what God's called them to. But you are able to start to prophesy and to speak into, this is who God's made you to be, this is what you're like. What are you bringing? You're bringing about a divine correction, a divine alignment, so that that person can actually step into the fullness of who God's called them to be. So it's a divine alignment. What's the purpose of the fivefold? It's not so that we can have badges and we can go to conferences and tell everybody that you know, we should be on the platform. Right? It's not to sell yourself on Facebook as the super apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's not to brag about. It's actually for the equipping. It's for the building up of the body. It's for that, that which is out of alignment coming back into alignment. And so for the body to grow, God needs you and I to fulfill the function and the calling that he's put in us. The gift, the, you know that God has an inheritance in you. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about that in around about verse 17. God has an inheritance in your life. Part of that inheritance is the gift of Christ that he's looking for you and I to play our part in the body of Christ to help bring about adjustment so that we all come into the fullness and the maturity of who God has called us to be. You and I have a place. You and I, whether you feel like you're called to be like a Cindy Jacobs, and if you are, God bless you, your life is going to be full of great training and discipline from the Father who loves you. Or if it's gonna just, you know, if you just feel, you know, there's a lower level, this reality is that it's still the Holy Spirit, still Jesus' call upon you, he's still desiring to fulfill his purpose and his function within you. So that each, you know, we're called to help that each part knows its function and its proper order and can be actually work properly. Do you want to work properly? Do you want this church to function properly? Yes. Do you want people in your life to function properly? Then we're to embrace the fivefold gifts of heaven. We're to embrace Jesus in other people. And we're to embrace Jesus within ourselves 
to actually enable us to be adjusted and to help others adjust to the fullness of who God's called them to be. Now, we're not talking about, in that adjustment, we're not talking about going out and correcting everybody and slapping them around the face. Obviously, we're talking about doing this in love, right? Everyone say love. 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 But, and we're not talking about gossip or slander, but we are talking about God's gift in you to the people around you so that they can step into the fullness of who God's called them to be and they are the very same to you. So let me finish with this. What is your calling? What's your pie chart look like? Are you comfortable with that pie chart? Or are you actually looking for something else because you've actually put yourself down because you've diminished the gift of God on the inside of you? What are you sowing into? How are you sowing into that calling? If God's called you to be a prophet and he's wired that to you, how, is he called, how are you sowing into that? Who are you coming alongside to, to understand and help you along the journey with? How are you sowing into that? What are you reading? What books are you studying? What people are you hanging around with? How are you sowing into that calling that God's put in you? How are you living it out? God's given each one of us a calling. Paul started with, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You have been called. You, we, each of us have a calling. How are you working it out both in this church family and in the world around you in the places that God has put you in for ministry? And then finally, how are you then multiplying yourself? Because the part, the task of the, uh, of the fivefold, I believe there's a strong dimension of that, which is to actually see the gift of Christ replicated in others that they can be the fullness of who God's called them to be. So I want to invite you to stand, if you would, please. And I want to invite you, if you want to feel comfortable with it, just put your hand over your heart and say, Father, thank you that you're my Father. Thank you that I'm part of your body. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you like me. Thank you that you have a calling for me. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to actually reveal to each one of us Afresh, maybe for, the, for some it will be for the first time, for others it will just be a re-emphasis. Maybe he'll drop a scripture verse in your heart or he'll just speak to you or you'll just know that the Holy Spirit would drop into you what your calling is, who he's called you to be. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to every single one of us here? Lord, whether we know it, or whether we don't know, would you increase that in our lives and would you bring revelation and speak to us. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, who have you called me to be? You know, the Psalm 139 says that there's a book written about us before our life was even in place. So God knows who he's made you to be. God knows who he's called you to be. You can ask him. And maybe you don't get an answer right now. My prayer is that you do, but my encouragement is to just press in and ask the Holy Spirit, who have you called me to be? What's the gift of Christ in me? that you put, what's that measure? What's my pie chart? And Holy Spirit, I thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you that you're here. 
you are in us. And Lord, we ask for an anointing right now to fall upon each one of us here to activate the gift of Christ on the inside of each one of us. And to step into the reality of who he's made us to be. I just feel like for some of us, that's going to actually require us to accept who we are and not try and keep fitting us into something else. I feel like for some of us, there's, there's people here that we're saying, no, I don't want to be this, I want to be that. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, this is who I've called you to be and there's an acceptance that comes with that. And Father, just ask the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, would you activate within me the gift of Christ? And would you help me to step into the fullness of who you've called me to be? And would you back that up with the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let your anointing come. Let your anointing come. Let your anointing come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, look, if you want to... We're going, to, we're going to draw the meeting to a close, but I just feel like if you want just to come up to the front and just stand with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm stepping into the fullness of the call of Christ. If you want someone to pray and agree with you, we'd be happy to do that. Um, and just, just come forward. As, obviously, Patricia's already come forward. Um, you know, we'd be very happy to, to pray and, you know, just agree with God for you. Um, Jonathan. Jonathan.